theme is this month, expect the unexpected in God's mission. We've heard a lot about it already this morning. Expect the unexpected. Well, how about this? Mission that costs no money, costs no extra time from you, and is guaranteed 100% to be fun. Mission that is free, convenient, and fun, 100% guaranteed. How is that for unexpected mission? Well, Des, tell me more. Well, this is it. It's making fun stuff that you already find fun into mission. Making your hobby or leisure mission. For me, many of you know, photography would be mission. It could be music as mission, fishing, cars, board games, cooking, going out, watching TV, even shopping as mission. That's unexpected mission. Now, expected mission is what we already know about mission, and that's still important. It's the ongoing full-time ministry of the gospel by missionaries around the world. Amongst them would be our church's eight missionary families who serve God in Taiwan, Japan, Malaysia, and uni students in Sydney. We do need to keep supporting them wholeheartedly and generously as they're sending church. They're a core part of the ministry of our church, and rightfully, this is the expected mission of our church. But unexpected mission <clears throat> asks new questions of ourselves and of mission. As Christians, are we truly reflecting God's heart for mission and doing all we can do to declare him to the world? What haven't we, what haven't we considered before? Have we missed anything? Does the Bible have something to say to us today about mission that we haven't thought about before? Unexpected mission is about asking questions of our own lives. This is what we'll do today. And sometimes the answers are just under our noses, on our own doorsteps. Now, our family, the Chu family, is a foodie family. If you've ever eaten with us, you will see that every one of us in our family loves our food. We can scoff down a large amount of sustenance in a very short period. For us, dining is what we like to do. Although the kids love their Asian food, we'll eat anywhere, from fast food to, to fine dining. We love the chili, cra chili crab from Sinma in Kensington, and that comes with the fried bread, you know, that you dip into the thick sauce. We love the fried gambretti prawns that you get in Buon Ricordo in Paddington. And of course, we love Tetsuya's signature confit of petuna ocean trout that comes with unpasteurized ocean trout roe, leeks, kombu, capers, and parsley oil. We love our food. The biggest foodie in our family is Margaret, my wife. She's the one in our family who does the cooking, and she's really good at it. And what she realized is that good eating doesn't only have to be at restaurants. Margaret works out how to make those same special dishes at home. She makes her own Singapore chili crab, and it's amazing. She has made her own gambaretti prawns, and she's even made her own version of ocean trout confit, and it's all good. Our dining experience is so authentic at home that we even have a weekly menu written on the kitchen wall, and you can see that on the left. It's not quite complete for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For our family, eating out is great, but eating at home is just as enjoyable, and it's way cheaper, we don't need to travel to the restaurants, and we do it in our own time. But sometimes we forget that home food is still good food. We take it for granted and think that proper eating is only in a restaurant. The context is different, but it's all good food. It's just at home. How do we see mission? Is our mission only thinking about our missionaries sharing the gospel overseas, forgetting what's at home? 
that it's only about a small number of people who minister in a mission field far away. And that the rest of us are just there to support them with finance and prayer. Or is mission broader than that? Are we treating mission like special occasion dining, forgetting the daily home-cooked meals? Do we have a mission for ourselves here, day to day? So what I want to suggest to you today is unexpected, that mission is not just about our missionaries. Somewhat unexpected is that we ourselves are also to be missionaries. But the really unexpected bit is that our mission can be cheap and easy and fun. And that is, our leisure activities can be mission. But everything that I suggest to you today has to be based on the Bible's principles. And there are three principles that I want us to think about that are really important today. We've heard sermons about this stuff before, so they're not new. Firstly, every one of us is a missionary. Missionaries aren't just those eight families sent from our church, the Nicholsons, Fungs, Wongs, Coes, Jackie, the Laos, Chens, and Kian. Those guys have all been sent with specific briefs to minister in different countries supported by our church. But the Bible says that we too, that is every Christian, are to be mission-minded and to declare God throughout the world regardless of who we are and where we are. So in the Old Testament, God tells this to all his people and without exception. And it's not just to the priests, and definitely there weren't any missionaries back then. So in Isaiah 49.6 he says, I will make you, that is God's people, every one of God's people, a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the world, ends of the earth. So that is every one of God's people was supposed to bring salvation to the world. And that's a consistent theme throughout the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, um, when, just before Jesus dies, Jesus prays for all the future Christians. In John 17, he says, My prayer is not for them, so not just the disciples alone. I pray for all of those who will believe in me through their message. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. So Jesus is praying that every Christian in the future, so including us, would tell the world about Jesus. He's in effect saying that he's sending all of us out as missionaries. You and I are the subject of that prayer. It's our job to tell the world about Jesus and that's mission. So I wonder if we need to change our terminology. Maybe the term missionary is a little bit misleading and a bit too narrow. Our old minister here, Bruce Dipple, suggested that maybe we should get rid of the term missionary. That title implies that missionary, mission is only for some Christians and not all. It also implies that you usually go overseas. It also has the historical baggage of colonialism and cultural domination. But not only that, by designating only certain people as missionaries, we can fall into the trap of thinking that mission's only the responsibility of those few families. And the rest of us don't have to act actively be involved, apart from the occasional prayer and donation for them. We can end up thinking that having eight missionary families excuses us from being involved in face-to-face -face mission. But no, according to the Bible, all Christians should be involved in mission. So perhaps another term or title of missionary should be replaced by something more accurate. Perhaps just the term Christian. Because the Bible says that all Christians should be telling the world about Jesus anyway. To quote from the movie The Incredibles 2, when everyone is super, no one is super. And for us today, if all Christians were missionaries, well then there'd be no separate category of missionaries. 
We're all just Christians declaring Jesus. The second biblical principle is that mission isn't a specific task, but it's everything we do in life. All of life is mission. Christianity is not about doing stuff, but being something. Being a Christian isn't about attending church, but being a saved child of God. We don't do certain Christian activities, but we live out our identity as Christians. And so it's the same for mission. It's not a project, but it's about living an authentic Christian life in our non-Christian world. And if it's about our whole life, then we can't compartmentalise bits of our life into separate Christian activities and general non-Christian activities. We might think that church, home group, Bible reading, prayer, mission, they're all the Christian activities in our life. And then there are those general activities like work, study, rest, leisure stuff. Not Christian, but not anti-Christian either. They're just kind of neutral as we would see it. But that doesn't work. The Bible says that all of our life should be characterised by our identity as Christians. All of our life should be missional, including those general areas. As we heard in today's reading from 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him. And it goes on to say, live such good lives amongst the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. God tells us to use every part and activity of our lives to declare him to the world. When you search the Bible, you won't find any reference to me time or leisure time when you can relax and have a break from being a Christian. Nor does the Bible suggest that at times we can switch on our Christian mode in doing church-related activities. Everything is mission. Our hobbies and our leisures ought to be missional. Now, that doesn't mean give them up. It doesn't mean turning every hobby you have into an outreach ministry. But it means continuing to do the things that we love, but doing it in Christian ways, with a Christian ethic, and realising that it is our witness to non-Christians around us. Being missional means doing any activity intentionally with Christian perspectives. The final principle is this, that mission is global. It's not just overseas. It's the whole world. Not forgetting our own doorstep, and not even just Australia, but our very own friends. Mission doesn't, have to be in, uh, mission doesn't have to be aimed at strangers. Global includes our own friends, the unexpected mission field. The obvious mission fields are the starving kids in Africa, the Muslim world, the billions in Asia, and the fringes of Australian society. But for mission to be truly global, it must include us here too, your own friends and acquaintances, so those with whom we enjoy doing our leisure activities. Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go, go overseas and make disciples. He just says, go and make disciples. So the focus isn't on going, but the focus is on making disciples. You could even, even leave the go out of it and just say that the command is, make disciples of all nations. When I say to my kids, go and do some maths, I don't mean go and find a location to do some maths. The going doesn't matter. I just want you to go and do some maths and I don't care where you do it. And so it's the same here. It's just go and make disciples. The other important thing that Jesus mentions in this verse is to make disciples of all nations. And that includes people of all countries. But don't just think about nationalities. 
Think about how comprehensive Jesus' commission is. All nations includes those that we spend time going cycling with, watching movies with, going shopping with, and going to parties with. Don't just think afar, but bring it close to home. That is our unexpected mission. If we only consider mission as what missionaries do overseas, then what does it say about our friends? Why are you so concerned with the salvation of strangers overseas and not concerned about the salvation of those close to you? How loving is that? We need both. Mission must be truly global because God wants all people to know him. So who are the people in your mission field of your leisure activities? They're probably your mates that you care about. How do you view them? It might be again time to review our terminology. Again, quoting Bruce Dibble, our old minister, he suggests that maybe we should also get rid of the term mission field. Mission field implies an us and them mentality that it involves only going from here to another place. But we've seen here, it's not about us going. It's about reaching out to those in our own lives. Perhaps it's not useful to call them the mission field. That too is alienating and a little bit patronizing. Perhaps we should just simply call them people who need to know Jesus. So there we have it. We have three biblical principles which state that we have an unexpected mission. Why should we see leisure as mission? because we are all missionaries. Secondly, everything that we do in our lives, including our hobbies and leisure, is mission. And mission is global, not just overseas, so includes our friends. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of leisure as mission. As I said at the beginning of this talk, this is a form of mission that can be fun, cheap, and convenient. It is fun, because you're the one who thinks it's fun. You chose to do it in the first place. You're the missionary carrying on with that activity. It's cheap because you're not paying to support a family overseas. You're the missionary. It doesn't cost you anything more than what you're doing anyway. And finally, it's convenient. You don't need to go to Bible college, although that's always a good thing. You don't need to go do deputation with other churches. It doesn't actually take much time because you're already doing those hobbies. If you understand that your leisure activities and your hobby are missional, then it becomes very fun, cheap and convenient as a form of mission. It's doing whatever you want to do, but doing it with a missional mindset. As we said before, for me, it's doing photography with other people as mission. I'll list all the other areas again for you to hear, so that in case you could relate to any of them. It might be cooking, it might be playing sport, watching sport, playing music, watching performances, cycling, fishing, playing board games, cars, going out with friends, eating with friends, travelling, shopping. All of these things and anything else that you find fun can and should become missional. Of course, there are exceptions, just a few, such as drug trafficking, running illegal casinos and being a hired assassin. But most other mainstream hobbies can be used to reflect God's glory to the world. The trick is, how can we be mission-minded as we have our fun? What is required to make fun stuff into mission? Well, it does take some thought and planning. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. When I asked Jono on Wednesday in small group what he likes to do, he says, I love to watch motor racing on TV. That's Formula One and supercars. And I ask him, well, how can you make watching car racing on TV missional? And he hesitated. It's not easy to work out. But I, like, I believe you can make any activity into mission. I want to suggest a method. And here are four steps to making your hobby missional. Firstly, 
be intentional. Secondly, be relational, be godly, and be ready with the gospel. Firstly, be intentional, to be intentional and prayerful. That is, we simply just need to think about it and realise unexpectedly that that hobby is mission, to consider it mission, to be deliberate about it and to make it a priority. And then to be prayerful about it. Pray that you'll have God's same concern for your friends and that you have the wisdom to know how to act. So it's a matter of realising it and actively committing your hobby to God as mission. The second thing to do is to make your activity relational. Mission is about sharing God with those who need to know him. So that means you need to involve other people, including non-Christians. Do you know enough non-Christians? Or do you hang out mostly with Christians? Do you have friendships with non-Christians in your life? Not just at work or school, but in your social life, in your hobbies. I know a fellow, he's a Christian, he's, he was a Bible college student at SMBC, he was preparing to become a missionary to South America. When he was in Sydney, he realised that everything he did was with Christians and he had no contact with non-Christians, despite preparing to become a missionary and he wasn't doing any mission in Sydney. So he looked around at what he enjoyed, which was lawn bowls, and he joined the local lawn bowls club and he made new friends there. He had to actively look for non-Christians and in be involved in something that he found fun with other people. But it's more than just knowing non-Christians, it's about forming genuine friendships with them, not just considering them as evangelistic targets. Jesus tells us to love our neighbours, not just act like you love them and to convince them to convert and then move on to the next victim. That's opportunistic, it's superficial and it's dehumanising. You need to be genuine friends. The fact is, it doesn't matter what hobby you choose because eventually your relationships with people will deepen if you let it, if you give it enough time and enough care. Sooner or later, people will start sharing their own lives, sharing their concerns, their joys and their fears and that's when your opportunities to share God come in. And the third thing um, is that godliness in our lifestyle is critically important. Critically important in our hobbies with our friends. If you're spending times with, time with people every week or every month or whatever, they'll get to know you. They'll understand how you think. They'll see how you behave. They will see what you believe. Your actions will speak louder than your words and they cannot avoid seeing your lifestyle witness. In our hobbies, we need to act and talk Christianly, that is, with godliness. And that's both easy and hard. It's easy because lifestyle witness doesn't depend on a rehearsed presentation but it's hard because we have to be godly. But your lifestyle as a Christian is really, really powerful. Why is it so powerful? Because of three things. A Christian lifestyle witness is unignorable because you're just living out your life. Your friends will see that. They can't help but notice. You don't have to ask permission to share. It's simply living in front of them. Secondly, it's unstoppable. You can't help it. You're just being you. You're just being a Christian, normal. Everything that you say and everything you do is visible. And finally, it is irrefutable. Your friends can't deny it because it's true for you and it is from your own personal experience. And that is something that this postmodern world today respects. Your lifestyle witness is powerful. It is unignorable, unstoppable and irrefutable. But what is a godly lifestyle? Well, it's simple. I just think of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. It's not complicated. They are simple things. We know what each one of those things is. Is it easy? Well, kind of. It's easy to understand but hard to live out. We do know what to do. Leisure as mission is not complicated. Again, 1 Peter is another good reminder. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. But it does get harder, though, as you get to know people deeper. Godliness demands wisdom in this modern world. Sooner or later, we will be confronted with ethical and moral challenges that will test our godliness. Sometimes in your general conversations with friends, you might be asked about your Christian position on politics or on Israel Folau or on climate change. And for that, you might need to think ahead about a godly, wise response. That's not easy. But there are also more subtle and particular ethical challenges that we face in, within each hobby. For me in photography, is it right for me to Photoshop fake sunrises into my landscape and pretend that it is mine for real? With my car friends, car enthusiast friends, should we race down that quiet country laneway illegally with our nitrous oxide empowered muscle cars? When I go cycling, how do I control my anger to cars on the road who do illegal things? When I organise my board game nights, how do I decide who gets invited and not invited and how teams are decided? Every action and decision we make in front of our friends demonstrates an ethical perspective that requires God's wisdom. Our actions are watched consciously and subconsciously by our non-Christian friends. So we do need to work on our godliness in our leisure. The final thing is that although lifestyle witness is important, we nevertheless need to be ready with a verbal explanation of the gospel and a follow-up mechanism for further information. Hopefully, at some point, your friends will ask you about your faith, and it's that at that point you need to be able to explain it. So learn something simple. Know what the basic facts about your faith are, that Jesus died for our sins, but to be able to explain it in a way that is meaningful to your friends, not just recited. And you have to have the next step ready, perhaps knowing which part of the Bible to encourage them to read or inviting them to, to church or a home event, home group event, or any other ministry. We need to have a gospel readiness. Look, I want to end by sharing with you about my hobby of photography. Most of you are aware that I have my normal work as an anaesthetist, but in my spare time I enjoy photography, and that's almost any type of photography, whether it's landscapes, at sunrise, I shoot events at my kids' school like Daniel singing in a rock band last week, I shoot sports of many types, I love that action, I do some medical photography, you'll see a cesarean section up there over my shoulder, I enjoy the challenge of street photography, and I occasionally I do some portrait work as well, like that, I think there's one of Anthony, isn't there? Look at that there. Now, I didn't get into photography looking for a mission field. I took it up about nine years ago as the kids were growing up. And I just wanted to capture them growing up at each stage, doing the performances, sports, etc. When Daniel was in year five, I photographed a school Christmas service held at St Andrew's Cathedral, and those pictures were published in the school bulletin. Another parent that I'd never met, she, liked, she saw the pictures and she liked them, and she got into contact with me, asking about camera settings and all that sort of stuff. We became friends got to know each other, got to know other photographic enthusiasts on Facebook, and now we've got a group of eight friends who meet regularly to do photography. We talk very often. We have a lot of fun. We do road trips. We even went to Japan overseas uh, to photograph the uh, cherry blossoms one year. That means a lot of time spent together on road trips, 
talking about anything and talking not just about photography, but about our lives. It's plenty of opportunity for the gospel. None of those people are Christians. That group came into existence effortlessly, though, drawn by a common interest in photography. I didn't have to look for a mission field. These are the people who became part of my life through the hobby. Over time, the friendships deepen. We know each other's families now. We share each other's struggles and joys. Some of them have had marriage troubles. We've seen another person get married, another having to move countries, another have a baby. Some have had parental issues, and one of them has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Hobbies are fun, but as you get to know people more, you get to know them deeper. And that is the opportunity, and in fact that's the responsibility to be missional, or just being Christian. Hobbies generate the depth of relationships that create opportunities for mission. It was only retrospectively that I realised that this photographic hobby had become my mission field, and so I became more intentional and prayerful for each one of those seven people in our, phot our photography group. And in my friendships since then, I seek to show the fruit of the Spirit, to be loving, to be joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and with self-control. And none of them is easy, but I hope that they will notice a difference. But there are other things which mark me out to them as a Christian in that group. They know that I don't usually go out on a Sunday morning to shoot landscapes because I go to church to worship God and I fellowship with Christians. I tell them that my schedule is often busy because I'm involved with church activities. They know that church is a big thing in my life and that God is a big thing in my life. I try to convey a Christian faith that is effusive, that is positive and bubbling over with the good things about knowing Jesus. I want to be infectious with the gospel. And conversely, I try not to air my dirty laundry and bag out the church or other Christians to them. When I post photos on Facebook, it's not very often, um, but I might put the odd subtle comment of a, of, a, of a Christian reflection saying something about the beauty of God's creation and the landscapes. Just small references to God here and there. And I find myself more and more often just having to be a good friend, giving advice and counselling my friends as they struggle with their trials in life. Some of their trials have been really major, and it's a matter of showing them love, finding appropriate words that I might point them to God. And I always tell them that in my own prayers, I am praying for you. Who knows where this goes? I don't know what impact my, my witness has on these photographic mates. They know the gospel fundamentals, and I don't know when I'll have the chance to share the Bible actively with them. I don't know whether they'd come to a church event, I'd love to create a photographic outreach event one day, perhaps involving them here at church one day, or start a photography group that involves both, both Christians and non-Christians mingling together. Everything happens in God's way and God's timing. My role, as I see it, is to live a faithful and godly life, caring for those in my photo photographic group and praying for each one of them. Photography has been a huge part of my Christian mission. What's your hobby? Is it going to see movies? Is it cycling, fishing, kids' outings, games, all those things? How can you be missional in your hobby? Can I encourage you to reflect on your leisure activity as mission? As we read before, live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. 
In a moment, we'll be singing the song, Great is the Lord. I love that song. I love worshipping God through this song. When I sing it, it is the expression of my relationship with God, praising him and lifting up his name. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, the city of our God, the holy place, the joy of the whole earth. Missionally, it's my desire that those around me see that I worship a great God, that it's a wonderful thing to know and worship God. And it's my desire that they too can join in that worship.